Welcome to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. This podcast series offers a fun and serious look at hypnosis and offers various ideas, discuss case studies, along with NGH educational opportunities. This is Jeremy Bashan from the NGH headquarters. In today's podcast, I'm interviewing NGH Vice President Don Mutton. Good morning, Don. How are you doing? Good morning. Having a wonderful day. Excited to be with you here. Excellent. So, you know, I just wanted to know uh, how, how you got into the profession. Um, well, I'm from Missouri originally, and the model is the show me state. And I was in the Marine Corps and serving in a place, Iwakuni, Japan. They had a demonstration of hypnosis and being skeptical. I'm thinking, well, I can't be hypnotized. I'm too strong-minded, like all of our members have heard over the years. And the guy said, well, come on up. I'll hypnotize you. And I said, well, okay. So he hypnotized me. I came out, made a statement that every hypnotist has heard. I don't think I was hypnotized. He said, sure you were. We'll do it again. And I'm thinking you didn't do that much the first time. So he hypnotized me again, and this time he ran a needle all the way through my arm. Now, I'm a skeptic, but that was enough to make a believer out of me, and I caught the hypnosis fever. So we're talking the late 70s, and I spent the year over in Iwakuni, Japan, and I'm pulling information from this guy and anybody else on hypnosis. And I came back stateside, Jay, and I'm looking for training in hypnosis. Now, let's keep this in mind. Late 70s, Missouri almost non-existent. So I, I'm looking for a book, maybe not published in this, that, and the other. And towards the 1980 or so, I thought, well, what should I do with my life? And I joined the police department, which I think that's a requirement if you're an ex-Marine. And the police department found out I had a tiny bit of experience with hypnosis and started sending me through classes around the country for regression. Because so often in a crime and the detectives say, what did the guy look like? The gun was this big. White guy, black guy, the gun was this big. And finally I got it. Because during a traumatic event, our mind shuts down under hypnosis. It was amazing because we could sit there and say to ourselves that, ooh, what if you were more relaxed? What if this? And to be able to have a witness say, oh, yeah, it was an 82 Chevy license plate, SCM-135. And the recall was really amazing. And so I worked a number of years. I worked with what's called the major case squad in Missouri. And they take the experts on various things, fingerprinting, interrogation, and in my case, hypnosis. So I had the privilege of working with people from medium to really severe crimes because they would activate the major case squad. And I think I've done hundreds of these, Jay, but I think the one stands out in my mind. We had a St. Louis County policewoman shot and killed. They had a witness down the street, like maybe half a block, but it was kind of dark. And we would talk to her and she said, I can see a shape. I can't tell you if it's a man, woman, no way I could do anything. And I've seen people, luckily, not guilt members, who, oh, now it's getting clear. Now you can see. If you couldn't see it, you couldn't see it. And so I'm talking to her while under hypnosis. Oh, I can see him now. And she scared me. I said, yes, how can you? He just lit a cigarette. So the guy pulled out his lighter to light a cigarette and lit up his face. 
So we joked for a number of years, you know, smoking can kill. So the guy got arrested, all the good things there. And I guess probably around 80, I found myself, Jay, I was doing about eight hours of therapeutic hypnosis, another eight hours of criminal investigation. I said, one of these has got to go. And I'm debating because I like both of them. And my darling wife of over 40 years, Brenda, said, well, it's your decision. I said, that's right. She said, can I give you input? Yeah, I like input. She said, currently in the police department, you're making $40,000 a year. Nobody likes you and they beat you up all the time. We're under hypnosis, make a lot more money. Everybody likes you and the worst that happened, you fall off the desk chair. So without any input from her, I left the police department. And I really thought at that time, Jam, maybe I'll work three days a week, six hours a day and go fishing. Well, the techniques work so well. My three days turned to six, my six hours turned to 12 and I needed more help. So I brought in a partner who was originally Johnson. And in three years, we ended up with eight different offices in three states with 15 hypnotists working for us full time. So it was kind of by accident that we fell into this. And today I've hypnotized about 50,000 people for various things. So that's kind of how I got started in all this. Oh, that's awesome. So I, you know, we, I saw you just, uh, we were together recently at the Solid Gold Weekend, and, and I've got to ask, do you pinch every one of your subjects? I try to do some type of numbness with almost everyone. I joke with people, you know, well, it makes me feel relaxed if I check numbness. Uh, but I'm a big believer, Jay, that the individual has to know they've been hypnotized. Too often, the hypnotist isn't totally confident, so he or she, I'm not going to tell you your hand's going to float or stiff arm or create numbness or this, that, and the other. We're, the reason I feel so strongly with that is if the client leaves the office and you did wonderful work, but they don't know they've been hypnotized, they can leave and say, boy, that really sounds good, but it's not going to work because I wasn't under. And so I call it internal rejection where if the hypnotist, your arms can float up in the air, the fingers are going to move, you can't get your eyes open, your hands numb, can't remember the number, such and such, and they leave and say, I don't know if I was hypnotized, but something happened because I couldn't bend my arm. Something happened, I couldn't remember the number between five and seven. Uh, and I'll talk about this while I travel around the country, and occasionally I have hip. Oh, I don't do that. Uh, that's theatrical, and I am a professional hypnotist. I say, well, let me translate. I'm afraid to do it. It won't work, and I'll look silly. So building their confidence is really a big thing. I had a ball with you guys out there in Vegas. We had the solid gold following by train the trainers, and it's neat to see a group that you were able to bring together whether it's somebody been doing hypnosis for 30 years or somebody been doing it for three months and to be able to have that variety and for the guild to be able to, here's what we're providing. So the guy with years of experience, the new one, they both left, but I have something I didn't have when I walked in the door. True. True. And it, you know, it, it was amazing to see, uh, you know, the, the lady's face when she looked at her hand and saw the mark, but she felt nothing, you know, and, and, and that right. does, it, it really, it shows them that, you know, that it's, it's a great convincer and uh, shows them, yeah, you, you were, you didn't feel a thing and Don pinched you really hard. Yes. And we usually do that also, not just for the, oh, something happened, 
but we tie it in with a therapeutic suggestion. For example, if I was working with the smoker and made their hand numb, the same part of your mind that made your hand become numb is now creating a numbing sensation for any type of withdrawals from the cigarette, physically, mentally, emotionally. So they have something solid. Oh, oh, yeah. If we can make a numbing sensation so the withdrawals aren't driving me up a wall, we're, oh, okay, I feel real good with that. Our success rate is going to go way up. And if our success rate goes up, the whole image of hypnosis improves. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I can tell that you've done it for years because it's almost, it comes second nature. Some of the, the, you know, the suggestions that you're able to rattle off real quickly, you know, if you, if you actually listen to what you, what you say, and, and of course it's going to the subconscious. So the client understands everything that, but you have it down packed where, you know, especially with the, your card, your business card and the, the color red, and it just comes so naturally. And it, and it really is, uh, it, it looks very slick. You know, I, I'm always impressed when you do a, a, a demonstration for, for the audience. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciate that because again, if the client, something took place, and we have lots of techniques. I mean, we've been doing it for over 40 years and 50,000 hypnotists. But I also feel the person, oh, I've only been doing this for a year. Could I take this technique you're using and be able to adapt it? Absolutely. Because it's not something that, oh, my God, it took me eight months of training to understand what Don said. No, some people said, well, you made it real simple. And I said, that's the way it should be. A dear friend of mine passed away a number of years ago who was in hypnosis forever. His name was Orman McGill. Orman was one of the few people, if you said I met him and I didn't like him, there's something wrong with you. He was just a delightful person. We've used the verb, it's always oh, a gentleman. He's a, in Orman case, he was a gentle man. I met him the first time probably 35 years ago. I was at a gathering on the West Coast, and I'm really new, and I'm from Missouri, and now I'm in California, and I'm at this conference, and a guy who turned out to be a legend in his own mind, he's walking down the hallway, and I stopped him. I said, oh, I sat in your seminar. I have a question. I don't talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. Leave me alone. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm felt like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. There's no place like home. Take me home. And this guy really wasn't important. And yeah, I think of maybe five minutes later, here comes Foreman McGill down the hallway. And I thought, this guy really is a big shot. He's written books on this, that, and the other. And I thought, well, what do I have to lose? And I stopped him. I said, Orman, my name's Don Mott, and you don't know me ever. Well, how the heck are you, Don? It's a delight to talk with you. How about the two of us go and we'll have a soda together? Wouldn't that be good? I think that would be good. That would be delightful. Would you like that? And I'm almost having a heart attack, Jay, because <laughs> here's the guy, really a big shot, and he, I'm going to take time, we're going to sit down, there was no reward for him other than helping a newbie, and I think that stayed with me. And I remember to this day, Orman saying, Don, these new hypnotists, they try to make all this complicated. And I said, you're probably right, Orman Wang. He said, you think what we do, we help people change their mind. We help people change their mind. And I thought, yeah, you pretty much covered it. I'm working with a smoker. I'm helping them change the mind, the way they think of cigarettes. Working with a fear. I'm helping them change their mind, the way they think of snakes or whatever it happened to be. So that was kind of my first experience with a larger group and to see the differences. 
And with MGH having so many members, I have hypnotized. You know, I went to, I bought a DVD from the Guild on doing rapid inductions, or I listened to another one from MGH on how to work with cheerleaders. I have this. And so that much knowledge compiled uh, sounds like a commercial, but it's reality. If the NGH was there, when I went into practice in 1980, I would have paid anything. Because where in the world would I have this many people who are good with what they're doing sharing the information? So when I have people, well, should I join the guild? Well, yeah. <laughs> and they, well, I said, it's, it's a no-brainer. Here's the small amount you're going to pay, and here's what you're going to get out of it. And also, it's the National Guild of Hypnotists. But I have people from all over the world contact me who are members of the guild. And other, oh, yeah, I love the way the guild does this. And oh, I like the way they do this. And I like their code of ethics. They're here for the profession. So it's real easy to be the vice president of the guild because the guild is such a solid organization. There's absolutely nothing even remotely like it. Yeah, I'm really happy to be part of NGH as well. Yeah, there are so many resources that, uh, you know, Dr. Damon and the Guild uh, has gathered over the years and, um, you know, really, really led the profession. Now, you mentioned Orma McGill. Do you have any other um, mentors uh, that, that you've uh, learned from that you would consider a mentor to you uh, throughout your years? Sure. And some hypnotists are, you're more of this approach, this approach, and another one, Dave Elman is best book is hypnotherapy and it was ironic because at the same time i'm studying elman i'm also looking at erickson and you can't get any further apart mm -hmm. erickson believed everything was indirect conversational hypnosis and elman believed no direct suggestions he also went into things of course let me find the root of the problem and see if i can't overcome that but if you said erickson on one end elman on the other and I think most people kind of follow Jay in the middle. I'm going to take a piece of this or a piece of this. I still get tickled to this day, new hypnotists. Okay, they just became certified. They sound like a parrot of whoever their instructor was. If their right. instructor dot, 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 they go dot, dot, dot. And then as their confidence and experience grows, they say, you know, I really didn't need this piece that Don had, throw that away. Ooh, I didn't even know this exists, this thing with anchoring. Let me bring this. So from one extreme to the other, I'd probably say it was Elman all the way to the other is Erickson. And the Erickson, the only thing I didn't like, his was too long of sessions. I forgot what book, but he said something similar. It took me 18 sessions to reach a light state of hypnosis with this client. And I guess being from Missouri, I'm not going to have a client come back 10, 12, 13 times, and they, well, I don't think have been hypnotized yet. So that's where I'll take some of Erickson's, and I love metaphors and indirects and storytelling, and I love on the element, let's get to the point, let's show the client they've been hypnotized, and then move on. But whether somebody has a DVD on golf, or they have this, that, and the other, I say, I have no experience with that at all. When our members say, I've got basic, yes, this is it. Now I can add to it. Uh, since I kind of cover the CIs, I say, the problem is you've been doing hypnosis forever. You need to keep in mind the class you're teaching is the basic class. And we might have the tendency, well, I want to show them how to use neuro-linguistic programming, blah, 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 blah. I said, that's wonderful. They're not ready for it. 
And so, and I'm just as guilty. I have to keep reminding myself, brand new people. And the guild's core curriculum falls into that exactly. Because as they're teaching it, okay, the, the newbie, I can understand that. But they don't stop there where, okay, I spent this money to become certified and I got nothing. So they start with, oh, I can understand that. And then they add something a little bit more complex than the core curriculum. Oh, a little bit more of this. So it's such a building process. Uh, I have people thinking about taking the guild class and they, I haven't been in school in 25 years. Am I going to be able to learn this? And they said, absolutely. I said, uh, core curriculum's there, but it starts off, oh, oh, okay, that first lesson plan, I've got that one. And now they're hungry for the next one and the next one. So it's always been rewarding for me to see somebody who I never even thought I'd do hypnosis to being certified with the guild, opening an office and start doing both private or group sessions, uh, uh, possibly corporate work. And to see them go from there up to there has always been one of the high points that I've always had. So it's always good to have a, a good base and then add on what you want to add on thereafter. You hit it out of the park, Jay, because I've had people, well, you're doing a class on blah, 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 and I'm not a hypnotist. I don't even know hypnosis. Should I take the advanced class? I say, no, you need the basic. Go in, you can go to ngh.net and find instructors in your area that have the training to certify through NGH. But you need that basic because we're, we do very few classes for the general public. The guild primarily, okay, we have this, we've certified you, we've trained you, and you have all the extra material you're ever going to need. Um, so, yeah, sometimes people, no, you're just not ready. And the guild premise is why in the world should I downgrade the education that this person is getting? Because this one is way down here. So if we say everybody's certified, this one's more experience, more time, that. But uh, we really, if we're going to invest time, I think the convention's a prime example. Because again, doesn't matter if this is your first month or your 20th year, there's enough different things. But none of them are, well, wait a minute, uh, why am I teaching this? If the person is not a hypnotist, 90% of the things at the convention wouldn't be worth taking. And I think right. that's one of the things over the years on the convention, I thought, good, because I'll look through and we've got this many presenters going. If you can't find something you're interested or exciting, you, you better review your career again. Right, absolutely. Now, Don, what would you say is would be the most important trait for a hypnotist to have? Uh, my, my viewpoint is the ability to listen and care about the client. If we have that, because I'm a big, big believer, most of the time the client will tell us exactly what we need to do. That doesn't mean we always listen. So I think the client's going to give us a tip. Uh, big, big mistake I made with a smoker. Uh, poor gal needed a bottle of oxygen to make it down the hallway to get in the office. <laughs> and so, oh my gosh, my heart's going out to her and I'm hitting things and being non-smoker. Oh, you're going to breathe easier and da da da. She called me up and she said, well, I didn't quit at all, which is really unusual. So I said, come back in whenever we had an opening. And before I even started, she said, now I told you I want to quit because we bought a new house. All the walls are white and I don't want the smoke stain on, okay? 
She told me, but I didn't hear it. I'm thinking breathing, her reason to quit was because the walls were white. Whose fault was that? It was mine. She told me exactly, here's what I need you to do, Don. But sometimes we have a preconceived idea that breathing, because that's the way it is. Um, I did a group session. We do a lot of corporate programs. And I was doing a group session for smoking. And a gal way in the back, uh, I, have, I have a reason to quit you've never heard of. Said, I'm thinking, well, I've heard them all. But she said, I got to quit. Because my parent has a smoker's cough. She would go downstairs every morning, put the coffee on, and the parent would <coughs> Now, I don't really believe you have a smoker's pot, but if it was one-to-one client, she does, and that's what needs to take place. So to be a good hypnotist, I think, number one, you have to listen, and number two, you have to be able to feel what's going on. Uh, you may have never had this experience, but that doesn't mean you can't help someone with it. I'm not a golfer, and yet I've worked with a lot of people for golf. I'm able to create a good rapport with them, and I tell them up front, I'm not a golfer. I played a few times, but I can help you. And in athletes, as long as they've done something great once, then we can help them duplicate that. Uh, but if you're in the profession, I don't care about people. You know, I want to make a bunch of money, and you're not going to be there long. Because I think the general person, Jay, can pick up, he she really doesn't care about me at all, do they? Right. And so being able to listen and have the understanding of what's going on with the client where they, yes, that's the guy I want to see. Yeah, that, that is so true, Don, uh, listening and caring about your client. A lot of times, you know, uh, very new hypnotists start with, with scripts, and that's okay to start with a script when you're getting started. But really, your script is your client. You listen to yeah. them and, and see what they want to change, and then you're going to reword it to them uh, to, to reprogram the mind. And that's, you know, if you're not listening to what they want, you're not going to achieve the success that they want. You're right. And one success always builds over to another and another and another. Right. Exactly. So at the NGH convention, Don, what year did you start uh, as a presenter? Do you recall? I was afraid you were going to ask me that. I think it's been <laughs> it's been roughly a little bit over 20 years. And to this day, I remember the first one because I saw a couple little um, coming into St. Louis for a weekend and I'm not real impressed. I know more than what they did. Of course, I'm not going to say that. And so I got invited by Dr. Damon to present at the NGH convention. And I'm thinking, I have no idea what I'm getting into. Well, I joined MGH because I thought, well, heck, if I'm speaking at their conference, I probably should be a member, just out of respect. And I got there, and this is terrible, but my expectations were, uh, and probably the first three hours of the convention, I thought, oh, my God, look at what's going on. I picked up something that first hour that I've been looking for forever. And then it was one after another after another. I went home and poor Brenda would just shut up about the convention. I said, I can't help it. I said, this is happening. This is happening. And I've already been in the profession for 20 plus years. And I'm picking up things I've never, ever heard. Uh, the other one, people chuckle. I learned things I didn't know that I didn't know. And if you can follow that, that all of a sudden they're teaching me a deepening technique. And I didn't know that I needed to deepen or whatever it was. So I left the convention with such a high that even before I got home, 
I'm checking with the guild for the next day for the next year's convention. I'm going to be there. I want to have that. Uh, and as time's gone on and I've seen the conventions grow in size and the quality of the presenters going from wherever it was way up here, uh, it's rare when, oh, okay, this person isn't good on such and such. Because if they're teaching something on golf, they are good working with clients for golf. And we have to know what we're good at. Yeah, I couldn't begin to sit here and say every session, yeah, I'm perfect for that. No, because if you're going to evaluate yourself, I'm really, really, really good with removing fears. My most successful session. Other people, you know, I am really good when it comes to weight loss. Could I learn something from that presenter? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to take that. I remember a few years back, even being the vice president of the guild, I poked my head into a seminar a young lady was doing. And I thought, I have never thought of doing post-hypnotic suggestions the way she just taught. So it's one of those, I always tell people, you know, yeah, I've been doing hypnosis forever. I said, you go to classes at the conference, I guarantee you're going to learn something you don't know beforehand. Uh, and you can, I also like the way everything's displayed, uh, written out, Jay. So I can read, oh, no, I'm not going to take that class because I pretty much know about and as they read over and say, I have no idea whatsoever how to work with people for passing exams. Ooh, this could be good. And, and I tell hypnotists, because sometimes they want to get off on a tangent that, oh, I want to do such and such. And it really doesn't fall in line with what a hypnotist does. I haven't completed, but I started working on creating a list of types of sessions that a hypnotist is perfect for doing and getting away from some, well, I am a junior medical doctor, this, that, and the other. Because my list just keeps growing and growing, Jay, where people say, yeah, I could do that. I mentioned passing exams. I think a person could make their entire living as a hypnotist, helping people pass exams. Here's an RN. He, she spent four years. It's time for their state board test. If they don't pass, they don't work. And I get tickled because I've done so many of those. Somebody will say, yep. When I left the office, now I knew what number 18 was because they created a mind block. So to be able to do things like that, uh, we do things for insomnia, we do things for pediatric and all types of other classes. So there's such a, a giant market out there for a hypnotist. And just like you said, there's nothing wrong when you stir it up. And I tell them, there's nothing wrong reading it, but don't make it sound like you're reading. If you say... And in a few minutes, probably not the best way of doing it. <laughs> and today's time, guess what? Have your script on your laptop sitting there. Um, but no, a lot of people, I feel more secure, new. And most people, when they finally throw the script away, it's because they found themselves in a position where they don't have the script. Ooh, I'm over at Dr. So-and-so. And, -so and, uh, <laughs> and they, you know, I just did the session, the whole session. I didn't use the script. So then it turns out, Jay, where I'm just going to look at a couple of bullets here that I want to make sure I cover. And then they get to the point that they're not using a written script at all. And yet I've met wonderful, very, very successful hypnotists who've been doing it for years. And I say, I still like having the script in front of me. Should I do that? Absolutely. I think sometimes I'll have people, I'm doing this, this, and this totally different than what I do. And I say, how's it working? Real good. I said, don't change it. You know, if you have something, 
And it might be something I don't really understand or I don't do. That doesn't matter. If you say I'm producing results, sure, take more training at the convention. But keep the part of whatever it is that works really good for you. If we said the convention gives 100 pieces of information and you go to the convention and you said, well, six of these I already knew. Okay, don't throw the other 94 out because you knew these. So, and again, I'll, I'll bop into our class and I think, oh my God, I never even thought about doing this type of regression or this, that, and the other. Um, so I look forward to the convention, of course, meeting new people, meeting old friends that I haven't seen since the previous year, but also seeing what people have going on that I'm not aware of. So I recommend the convention. I don't care if you're three months in the profession or 30 years, it's an experience that you're going to remember forever and ever. It's almost like some somebody, everybody will learn something. There's yep. there's always something to learn. Um, you know, it, it's really amazing how this profession has so many different things that can be worked with and so many different niches that hypnotists can do. You know, I, I know many hypnotists that specialize in certain areas. Um, and a lot of them got started by learning these things at the NGH convention. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about the presentations that you'll be doing at, at this uh, at the 2023 NGH convention. Yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm actually doing five. So I'm starting off five days before the convention doing train the trainers where we have uh, certified hypnotist consulting hypnotist been in profession for a year or better. We're going to teach them become CIs, which means a certified instructor kind of elevating them to a certain degree where now they are going to take new people and teach them the core curriculum. So I'm looking forward to that. It's about a five-day class. And then in the conference itself, I have a handful of things. I'm doing a one-hour class on controlling anger. If we sit there and think, well, uh, yeah. And if we tried to make breakdown simple for person I'm angry, what it boils down to, you're not getting what you want. Oh, I'm angry because of traffic. Okay, you're not getting what you want. I'm angry at my spouse. Okay, you're not getting him or her to do what you want. I'm angry at work because, and so again, there's a lot more involved that we're going to teach during that. But the foremost is to realize what creates anger. And everyone in the world has been angry at one time or the other. Um, but realizing, yeah, if I stop and think about it, I'm sounding like kind of a spoiled brat because I'm not getting what I want from this person or this company, whatever it happens to be. So I'm going to do a full one-hour class showing people how to work with individuals with anger. It's one of those things, if you said, here's a thousand people, how many have been angry at some point in their life? One thousand. They may respond better than some others, but if you're alive and breathing, you have experienced anger at one time or the other. So it's one of the things I haven't seen a lot of teaching on, and yet it's one of those things I'm feeling like, ooh, guess what? The average hypnotist could add that type of technique to their toolbox and help people with a different type of problem than perhaps they did in the past. And Excellent. my next one, a one hour, is working with analytical clients. I have colleagues all the time, this guy's trying to do this, that, and the other. And number one, don't go into it, oh, this is going to be tough. He's an engineer. He's this, that, and the other. The 
new analytical point, they have no idea what's going on with hypnosis. So we can keep the conscious mind active while all of a sudden they're thinking about something else. Uh, I can have the most analytical client in the world. And I said, as a kid, one of the things I always liked was oranges. Yep, I always liked oranges. To be honest, I even like oranges now. Oranges are kind of neat. And orange is also fruit. I don't know if there's other words that are fruit. In fact, there's not even a word that rhymes with orange, purple, or silver. But we could think about that later because day is Saturday. Saturday's Friday's yesterday and Sunday's tomorrow. And then, what the heck did he just <laughs> say? We gave him something to do. A lot of times we'll do it physical. Sometimes we'll do it mental. But we can take any client and say, I need to alter my inductions slightly. I have a lot of colleagues said, well, Don, what's the best induction? I said, the one you like the most. No, no, I mean, that's it really is. If I say, I really like the head bop bop induction, my favorite is probably going to be the best one for you. I'll watch a colleague do an induction that I wouldn't do that, but it's working perfect for them. So instead of, okay, I have 18 different types of induction, and it's great to have something that's kind of have a progressive relaxation or it's a visual induction or kinesthetic, uh, post-hypnotic, whatever it happens to be. But that's why I wanted to make sure we had something in there. And I've had people who are, I've been doing this a long time. I've already signed up for the convention and I'm gonna take your class on working with analytical clients. Because again, if I can go back from the convention and say, I feel more confident working with this type of client, then my job was good and the convention definitely was there for the person. Because you're not going to come, I'm going to fly in to Orlando and have Don teach me how to work with analytical people. So if it's something, or in fact, any four or five that we're doing, it's being held at the convention. It won't be in Las Vegas. It won't be here or here. The next one came up with, I've, I'll do my commercial. I have a book out called Raising Your Children with Hypnosis. So I've done a lot of things with pediatric hypnosis. Then all of a sudden, I had more and more people, 55, 60, 70 plus, looking at hypnosis. So I've taught uh, classes on working with the geriatric community. I'd love to tell you I figured this out, and I figured it out by accident. I'm doing a pre-talk with a gal. She's about 70. And she said, Don, just shut up. <laughs> okay. She said, look, there is nothing you can do to me that hasn't been done before. Let's move on. And I thought, okay. And I can say this because I'm one of those now. Basically, I don't have any fear. You know, what are you going to do to me? So I thought, you know, it's similar to my young children, seven or eight. We don't have to worry about you're not going to get stuck in hypnosis or any of those other things. Because number one, they're, they're not in control anyway, so it doesn't make any difference. And the older person was there as them. And yet I found that we were missing something. Okay, so I have young pediatric clients and older geriatrics. And I had so many parents, well, what about my teenagers? Is it? And why they didn't dawn on me before a few years back, I don't know. But I thought, yeah, my life as a teenager at 13, 14 was totally different than what the kids are going through now. They're going through things I couldn't even imagine back in the 60s, early 70s, where, okay, I have drug problems. I have uh, bullying. I have this and online, they're doing it. And there's so much that people will say about someone online that they would never say face to face. And I've worked with hundreds of teenagers said, 
you know, I went online and on Facebook, they're saying this about me. And then all of a sudden now I'm getting these emails and at school, it's like, oh, nobody even wants to look at me anymore. And the thing that I think every person in the world needs today is self-confidence. My teenage client, if I would do a lot, but if you said you're only do one, self-confidence, where all of a sudden I'm feeling better about myself. I agree with most of my colleagues. Let's don't do six, seven, eight set sessions in one, you know, smoking, weight loss, fears, wet in the bed or whatever it happens to be. However, when we talk about self-confidence, whether it's a teenager or an adult, if I was doing so-and-so for bowling, can I also give suggestions for confidence? Absolutely. I'm doing someone for weight loss. Can I also at the same time give things for confidence? So we try to pull out with our teenager, where are things at? Your teenagers are also have to be the best hypnotic subjects in the world. Number of years I did stage shows and ours, but before you get ready to kill me out there, ours were always positive, upbeat. What I was looking for for people in a show, I want them to leave and say, I am really glad I volunteered. That was great. I would do that again. Then it's a good show. If the person in your show, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I feel so humiliated. It wasn't my show. That should never happen. I actually realized accidentally sometimes you can do therapeutic hypnosis even with stage shows. Doing a show, it was a fundraiser for an Elks Club. And I finished the show and an older guy comes up to me and he's crying. I'm like, uh-oh, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. He said, my wife died one week ago. God, I'm sorry. He said, I didn't think I'd smile and I spent the last hour laughing. Thank you. And so even though we weren't doing it for that, if it was done in a positive way. We do many, many, many stage shows for high school. So you have that teenage group that we're talking about helping therapeutic, volunteering. I remember coming home from a show and I'm talking to Dr. Damon on the phone. He said, well, how'd your show go? I said, doc, it was a high school show. He said, okay, never mind. Why? Because they're perfect. You've got that right aid. They're hungry to experience something they haven't done before. So the teenagers, when we talk about how are they for subject, outstanding. I might spend a few minutes longer on my pre-talk, winning them over so we're creating rapport, so I know where they are coming from. They're feeling confident with me. But yeah, we're doing a two-hour class here at the convention, just working with teenagers. Because I think whether it was my material or someone else, it didn't seem to be a step-by-step-by-step process on how to work with teenagers. So that's why I'm really excited to see coming up. And my oh, last one, that's, well, that's really needed. That well, is I really so too. Yeah. I mean, I don't need to tell you because I know you've been doing hypnosis with high school wrestlers and this, that, the other, and not buttering you up. But in other words, you've been able to key in. So whoever that client is now, whatever grade, age there, this guy knows what he's talking about. And you can't do it verbally, I am great, I'm good. But they can pick up real quick. This guy, Jay, he knows what he's talking about. He's trained in hypnosis. He's the executive director for the National Guild of Hypnotists. So we both could have a wrestler coming in at noon. Yours is going to be better than mine. Because I don't care how good I think I am with the pre-talk, I haven't experienced it personally. So when all of a sudden you say, here's what we're going to do, here's the move, where are you having problems? So... Again, working with the kids, teenagers, 
So if you think about it with hypnosis, all the way from young kids down to four, all the way up to I haven't found the maximum age yet, but probably they're in 80, 90 years old. So if we can have all three of those elements, we can we can make our hypnosis available to a larger group of people. So absolutely. Yeah. And my last one, it's called Stop Sabotaging Self. And people, yeah, yeah, SSS. Why? Because it's that old cliche, Jay, we can be our own worst enemy. Oh, God, I'm not going to know it. I know I'm going to fail again. I feel everything. I don't know why I even bother. And they really do. Um, and they do this a lot prior to hypnosis, Jay. Oh, I'm never going to be able to lose weight. I lost 20 pounds and I put 30 back on. I don't know what, blah, 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 blah. And they work on sabotaging themselves. So we're doing a two-hour class. And it's basically teaching the hypnotist how to add this to any session they have. You can be the greatest hypnotist in the entire world. You do uh, Freddie for weight loss and he leaves. Yeah, but I never, I never succeed. I failed at weight loss 82 times. And they start sabotaging themselves. A little technique I've shared with my hypnotist and other people around the world is, of course, during the pre-talk, Oh, what would you like to get your weight to? 135 pounds. I said, okay, 133 pounds. What? I said, look, let's be honest. You've tried 135 before, haven't you? Yep. Don't mean this negative, but you tried, you failed, you tried, you failed, you tried, you failed. You have never set a goal for 133, have you? And they know. I said, so we don't have any past failures. We don't have any past successes. We're going to start fresh. And again, another example getting them away from sabotaging their own success. So they're sitting there and say, oh, uh, I think weight loss clients, for example, are the most creative people in the world. They can come up with more of the sensible, intelligent reason why it's okay. That a guy with big sweet ears and I'm driving home and the Dairy Queen sign was winking at me in the distance. He said, no, I don't do that. And then he said, well, I don't take drugs. I'm not an alcoholic and I'm good to my wife. Hell, what's wrong with a milkshake? And the car pulled into Dairy Queen all by itself. Why? He wanted to lose weight, but he was sabotaging himself from being successful. So that ability to, nope, here's what's going to happen. As I mentioned, weight loss clients are creative. They do real good. Okay, good, good, good. And they have a tendency, as soon as they fall once, I give up. I always, I always tease them. I said, wouldn't be so if I had trade blush and I'm walking across the room, one fell off and broke them. Well, what the hell? Or broke one, so I'll turn the tray and break the other. But so often, different clients, okay, I've done good. I've already lost 18 pounds. Oh, I'll just have this one cookie. And they, I've already broke that cycle. And that's that self-sabotaging. Coming in again, that here's why. Nope, it's over. I'm not going to be able to do this. So those are the five classes coming up for the convention. And I'm, I'm really, really excited because uh, I'll see people I've seen for years. and I'll see a lot of new people. I really, I push. I said, damn, been to the convention. Go. So uh, why, why should others attend this year's convention, Don? Um, this year, I'm seeing presenters that we've never had before, which is kind of exciting for me is I'm going to learn something from them. And if you said this is my first three months as being certified, come to the convention because you'll be able to pick at 10 o'clock in the morning. Look at all these choices I have. And with my experience and background, 
this one, this one, and this one. And then it's set up. If you miss those, there's going to be a way for you to be able to stream them down the road as well. So you, the brand new guys, they are hungry. Ah, teach me more. Then we have the people who've been doing it for 20 or 30 years. And you say, should you attend the convention? Absolutely. There is an impossible task if you think, I'm not going to learn anything new. You have to. I love it because we'll have old tables selling books and whatnot. And somebody will come up and they say, I didn't think I needed any more help with doing past life regression. And I went to Gail's class. Oh my God, that one class was worth the entire amount I paid for the convention. And that's the line I hear over and over, Jay, that, you know, just what I learned Saturday morning, I'm, I'm ahead of the game. I've already got more than I paid for. And, and again, sometimes, well, yeah, you have to be nude for that. No, I guarantee you, if you say, I have 20 years full-time practice, I can guarantee you, if you come to the convention, you're going to learn something you didn't know before you signed up. So to be able to have that assurance that, yep, this is going to happen, um, just, and you don't have to take my classes, but just the five I rattled off. If you've been in practice 30 years, there's probably one of those five or more that you said, I don't know anything about. I've never dealt with anybody anger. I've never dealt with self-sabotage. I never dealt with teaming. So just that. And that, that's a smidgen of what's going to go on at the convention. So if you said, should I? Yes. And some people, well, you know, that's an investment. You know, it costs money for the thing and it's travel and it's hotel. I said, yeah, it's your career. If you say, I'm going to make an investment, if you're self-employed and you say, well, it costs money, but I'm going to add a second of the widget that we need for the factory. It costs money. And this, when you say, you know, it's cost and reward, you say, here's my cost. I had to travel. I flew in from another country. What's my reward? My practice is going to grow. I was talking to people at the convention and they said, here's what they did to build these I never would have thought about that. So-and-so gave this, and it was this, this, and this. And so some of the smaller classes, you might not have written uh, material because it's real simple. Other ones, here's something in writing. And most of your presenters that you're going to hear, they'll even tell you, you know, if I can help you down the road, let me know. I'll be there. And I think that's one of the things that NGH kind of blows away everybody else. Because the other one, ah, I'm not talking here. And these presenters are upbeat, positive, and the purpose that they're there is to present, to share information with other people. And and again, I I love it because I walk down the hallway, and let's face it, there's a lot of people at the convention. And I'm hi Don, and they're the smile, they you can tell them. They're on a high. They just attended a class from somebody. And as they're walking out the door, I can almost tell. And I do tell people, sometimes don't try to take 150 classes at the convention. Number one, you couldn't do it. But I say, there's neat stuff. And say, I took this one, this one, this one. Go up to your room. Have a soda. Relax. And then come back. Because I always tell guy works for me, Bill Hunt. He's at the convention with me. I said, I can tell the people who didn't take that advice because Sunday evening, they're walking down the hall. I said, you took too many thoughts? Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things, even a good thing can be too much. So, but with the ability to, oh, I missed this class and be able to do it later online, that's a good thing as well. 
Well, you have so many great presentations coming up in August. Uh, we can't wait. We're looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Being at the convention itself with all the other attendees and presenters, learning in the hallways, networking, there's so much, uh, so much worth in, in um, you know, just, just that alone in networking with your colleagues, being at one place with the same same type of people, same minded people who are there to, to learn from, from amazing presenters uh, such as yourself who have been in the profession for many years. Um, Don, I'd like to just thank you very much for taking your morning uh, and joining me on our NGH podcast. And uh, we'll, we'll see you in August. Good. I feel very honored. We'll see you there. Have a great day, Jay. All right. Thanks, Don. You Bye too. Now. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Hypnosis NGH podcast. You're welcome to share your ideas for future podcasts by emailing us, ngh podcast at ngh.net.